is a microwave, so it's a little fucky right now. Mercury is a microwave. <laughs> okay. Mercury is right now, so. <laughs> okay, uh, so this is episode 11 of the Closet Apocalypse. Uh, let's start that over. I do that every time. The Closet. Oh, wait. 11? I like that number. I'm really happy that it's Yeah, it's, it's episode 11 of the Closet of Nonsense. There, I said it without stuttering. Uh, Jovan actually told me I need to learn to shut the fuck up and think before I talk, and I explained that that would pretty much negate my entire existence, so. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking before you a little overrated. Yeah, just ask any politician ever. Duh. <laughs> Duh. Okay, so uh, I am on the horn, and of course this isn't going. I am, uh, I am on the horn here. Horn? I can, can you even say it? You're on the horn with somebody now. I mean, we don't use real phones. I don't even know what that means. That's important that you don't know what that means. That's the best part, like, because the old phones used to look like a horn. Okay, that's exactly what I thought you were talking about. But okay, cool. Yep. I'm old. Okay. Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, I'm on Sorry. vid chat, messenger, something. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I am communicating via electronic device with, uh, well, I'm going to say Shelly, but we're going to go right into that. You have like 9,000 names because you have the biggest resume of anyone I know just in the fact that you're like different people. <clears throat> yes, I am many different. Yeah, you have a multiple personality resume. It's very strange. Uh, and you've gone through different changes. Like, it's been it's been Darling, Darling Jameson, Rochelle Darling Jameson. You've got, you got the married name in there on Facebook. And then you've got, you know, this whole other persona, Dahlia Ray, that is your, like, cam girl slash... Is that going to be your music persona now? Um, I mean, as of right now, it is. Uh, I'll probably keep it that way because it's just easier. Like, I have to be honest, it's it's a lot of fun to, like, make up all these different names and different personalities, and every single personality is a part of me. Um, but it does get confusing <laughs> being like, well, Dahlia Ray, or is this, but then you know just, just, it gets confusing and I like being able to go on cam and talk about my music and not feel like I'm hiding something if that makes sense um I don't know can I ramble for a minute or do, are yeah, you gonna ask more questions? Want. yeah of course um because I don't know for a while I I really wanted to keep like the nude modeling and stuff that I do on cam separate from my music because I felt like it was too I don't know, um, I didn't want to cross those worlds because I was like, well, these are my boobs, but like, I'm also sentimental. And then I realized like, why do I have to, why do I have to like put it in different categories? Why can't I show my boobs and be a songwriter? Like, why does it have to be mutually exclusive? Is that the word? Yeah. I mean, I think that, well, and that's, that's every woman really, if you, what you just described is take me for what I, what I am, regardless of what it is. So it, it I mean, it makes sense to me. I just deal with it a lot because I'm, I'm friends with so many models and, and strippers and things who go by different stage names and, and musicians even who have different names. And that's one of the things that is 
always kind of been striking to me is what do I call you in public? Like, if you don't know somebody, do you call them by their real name? Do you call, if you, I mean, if you've met somebody, like there's even people that I consider myself friends with that I still call them by their stage name simply because there might be people listening that don't know their real name. Exactly. And it is, I do respect that when people, um, you know, they want to keep anonymity. Now I'm the one fucking up. (laughs) It happens. It happens. Uh, people want to anonymity. Sorry, someone trying to face. No one talks to me until I'm being productive. Um, it's amazing. Okay, yeah, I respect anonymity, but I don't know. For me, it just got like too confusing, and I didn't. I I don't know. I like the idea of being someone that like. I don't know. I just want to show the world, like, hey, like you can do all these things. And I'm not really too afraid for my safety. I think that's a lot of people's concern, but knock on wood, I've been doing what I've been doing for six years and I've never had a problem. I've run into like nothing but respectful people. So well, hopefully it stays that way. Yeah, that's good. Well, I didn't like to say like, I've had you saved as Batman for quite some time because it's much easier. I love that you call me Batman because like that was my biological father's nickname. <laughs> That's even better. I, I just do it because I you have a utility belt of tools and Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, I I was waiting for the perfect moment to show off my toolkit. Can I show it to you? Of course you can. Okay. Because I'm a strong independent female that doesn't need no man, even though men are like really great. Um look at my toolkit that I got for myself. One second, I'm unzipping it. I'm unzipping it. How do I flip? Oh. Oh, It's all pink. Yeah. (laughs) That's fucking fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Everything in my house to my... I built all of this with my pink toolkit. That's fucking great. I I love um, it. I get a lot of shit when we go, like, especially when you go to, like, conventions, because I have makeup kits, and I have toolkits and all that stuff, and all of my very, quote-unquote, feminine stuff, I keep in, like, toolboxes and fishing tackle boxes and things like that. That's how I keep it separate. But my sewing kit is bright fucking pink. Fuck yeah. No one's stealing my fucking sewing kit. Because you can see it from, like, 400 yards away. (laughs) I love it. So, um... So you you talk about picking names and and things like that. And one of the things that has, you know, everybody picks their porno name. Like they pick their, their whole, like, I'm going to, if you were a porn star, it'd be this or that and the other. Mm -hmm. Well, now it's becoming, especially now that we're on fucking all this bullshit, (laughs) it's even more prominent to me now that people are picking OnlyFans names or cam girl names or things like that. And I randomly wrote down, like, if I were a cam model, what would be like the the most extreme because I have so many nicknames too I mean let's be real I mean I go by psychotic I go by space ghost I go by I mean, technically Eric is a fucking nickname it is so I have all that I decided wombat dominator would be my <laughs> that's fucking awesome <laughs> I just I don't know uh- I thought it was kind of like because it, it, it really it sounds like really powerful, but at the same time, it's not all that impressive. 
So it's kind of perfect. <laughs> I don't know. It's like not too, but it's threatening. Like, oh, it's perfect. Yeah, I so really good. Like it. Yeah, it's it, it goes right along because of course you know everybody's like, oh you should go be Metal Shrek you should this you should that and I'm just like no I'm gonna make something completely different. Well, that Dominator. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I. That's so good. Yeah, I just it's a, it's a good one. Of course, then the conversation came up. It, it was uh, it was Fourth of July, um, and we were all hanging out and everybody's and they're talking like, well yeah, but it's not like you could do anything anonymous like everybody else because you have all these tattoos. And I sat there and I thought about it. I was like, how many people have actually seen my tattoos? Not that many. I could probably get away with some shit. I know it's always the question of, but I have tattoos. Yeah. yeah. I actually get more tattoos to be more noticed. Like I want people, I want people to be like, that is Shelly, that's Dahlia Ray's bubble. I can tell because I know those tattoos. There you go. See, it's all, it's all about you know finding, finding balance. Balance is important. <laughs> yes. Um. You actually mentioned just now. You you said it a way that a lot of people. It, it it's becoming more and more common, quote unquote. But you just actually said your biological father, and you've had kind of an interesting family dynamic, and I don't know how comfortable you are talking about all of it, but yeah, we- I feel like it's really important and a huge part of not only your your who you are as a person, as a friend to me, but it's a huge part of your music. Yeah. That you've had this really interesting family history. Totally. So I, I guess I, I'd really like to see if, I mean, as much as you're willing to share without, and you're allowed to cry. You just okay. talked about butthole, so you're allowed to cry too. Yeah. As I'm long a, as you're not I'm, crying about butthole, because then we have a problem. I mean, what if you see like a beautiful butthole and it brings you to tears? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. Oh man! In my well, head, it wasn't good. Just know that it wasn't. It wasn't a good time. There's buttholes out there, Eric. I, I, <laughs> angelic butt. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um. Anyway, that's a perfect segue into my tragic life story. <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm a helpful just, like, person. <laughs> you want me to give like a little like brief rundown of it? Yeah. Well, however okay. you want to get into it. So my parents met in Hollywood, California. My mom was dancing at Seventh Veil, which is like, I mean, anyone listening that doesn't know what that is, it's like very popular strip club on Sunset Strip. And then my dad was managing the guitar center across the street which is still there. And this was, I want to say, back in the 80s, late 80s. And um, they he went in to watch her dance. He fell in love. And then I was conceived. Um, and they were both really talented people. My mom was modeling. My dad was signed to a few like major record labels. He was touring the world. And then they just kind of went down this rabbit hole of... I mean that a lot of artists go down this depression rabbit hole and got really into heroin and they both ended up ODing shortly. I mean, not shortly after I was born, but my mom passed um, of a heroin overdose 
when <clears throat> I was five, and then my dad passed away when I was eight of a heroin overdose as well. Um, <clears throat> and then I got adopted, and that was crazy because I was adopted by my aunt and uncle, super, super fundamentalist Christians at the time. Very strict household. I had like 10 brothers and sisters. Um, so I went from being like an only child to having 10 siblings. And then <clears throat> they got divorced when I was probably 14. Um, and my mom remarried. My dad like eventually remarried. And I don't know, the last time I saw my family was at my wedding a couple of years ago. And um, I don't really talk to any of them anymore <laughs> like it's it's always been just a weird fucky situation it's like everyone has this life story but I don't know I've I'm fortunate to be pretty tight with my adoptive mother now who I just call her adoptive mother because I don't know so I don't confuse the story but she's my mom through and through and I feel really lucky to have her in my life because she chose me you know she chose to raise me, and even though it wasn't always perfect, <clears throat> she accepts who I am now. She knows what I do for a living, and she loves me for who I am. Like, it, it's amazing. But, yeah, pretty crazy life story. And I don't know, the, the hardest part, I think, that bleeds through my music is all the grunginess of my early childhood. Like, heroin needles everywhere. I remember going to school and, like, um, <clears throat> my parents were running some sort of escort business out of our house when I was like seven and we had a bunch of like sex workers living with us um, they were nice they were all nice really I mean everyone was nice there wasn't ever physical abuse or anything like that like the most amazing people just super super into drugs and um Stuff that, you know, you probably shouldn't expose a really young kid to. <laughs> um, and I remember there was one lady, I think her name was Trixie. She sent me to school in her jacket because everyone else was passed out um, from partying the night before. Trixie was the only one awake, so she sent me to school in her jacket because I couldn't find mine. And <clears throat> I was standing in the line to go to lunch at school, and I put my hands in my coat pocket, and there was, like, a syringe just, like, chilling in the pocket. And... I knew that I couldn't tell my teachers because I would go to foster care. My parents would get locked up. So Jesus. I just, I know, I just kind of kept it a secret until, um, I mean, social so, social services eventually got called because people could tell that shit was fucked up. And it was really hard. Like, I was such a golden kid. I was the first kid in my class that could read. I was always winning these awards for, like, being, like, a good kid <clears throat> and then um like good grades um I was like talented in school all of this stuff I thought I was like it was great I was great and um I got called to the principal's office the last day of second grade and they like go over the intercom they're like can Shelly please come to the office to the principal's office and every kid in the class was like "Ooh, Shelly's in trouble it was so mortifying because I, I was like so afraid of the principal's office I'm like I just feared authority a lot. <clears throat> I didn't want to be in trouble. And I get to the office and they were like, um, like, 
two police officers just chilling in there and they're like you're not in trouble just sit down we have a few questions to ask and they like pulled out um <clears throat> like pill bottles like prescription pill bottles the little orange ones they're like do you know what these are and i'm like yeah and they're like do you have them at your house like yeah they're like do you see them a lot at your house and i'm like mm-hmm. like just answering questions and then they're like well you're not going home today you're going to foster care and um that was like the last one of the last times I saw my dad like I I went to school and not knowing that my whole fucking world was gonna go like or sorry get flipped upside down and um <clears throat> yeah after that like my dad was trying to get clean and he couldn't and eventually passed away so lots of I mean I could go into more detail but it's I mean people can fill in the blanks like anything fucked up that could have happened happened watch my mom or watch my stepmom OD in a bathtub like crazy shit crazy crazy shit so that's a brief rundown of my life <laughs> <laughs> you, just glaze, you just glaze that over that's that's literally like oh, this is the most traumatic thing ever let's play some happy music that's how it works. um <clears throat> the biggest reason I wanted you to get into that is because and we've talked about it a million times, especially on the long car trips and things like that. Like your your interests, your soul, particularly musically, and also in some of the movies that we've like talked about, is is set in a time before you were really born. Yeah. And a lot of people's they they form they say that between eleven and fifteen is when you start really developing like a musical style that you like that you you relate to your entire life. And you almost personify, as for me, we're musically the same age. The music you yeah. listen to and the music I listen to is, is almost identical. And I think that that's really interesting. And I think a lot of that is because of you, you grew up pretty instantly really early. Yeah. And I think it would be like for me, even like I, I know – I mean, Jesus, I have a copy of your fucking yearbook here. <laughs> from, from, <laughs> and and I've, I've looked through it, and it's hilarious. Like, you're just a different person in mm -hmm. that setting than the person that I know. And so seeing the different aspects and knowing these different things of who you are, you always hear it. And I talked about it actually in the last episode with St. Sasha. You always hear daddy issues or abandonment issues or, and that's why somebody's in sex work or that's why they're a stripper. And of course that shit exists, but it also exists in like lawyers and librarians and doctors. It exists everywhere. It does. It doesn't matter. It is a, I, I'm really glad you are talking about that. Cause I, I was hoping that you would, I was hoping that this would segue into the, concept of daddy issues which you know used to be funny like haha she has daddy issues but like to be completely honest dude I about seven months ago I got put myself into therapy and actually had to fucking address my daddy issues because it really like if you don't address that shit it does take a toll on your fucking life regardless of if you're a doctor a lawyer a sex worker a a birthday it clown. It, it, it really doesn't matter what you do or, or how you do it. How you're raised, the environment you're raised in affects everything. Yeah, it does. So, I don't know. 
I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, glad, I'm glad, glad we're finally, you and I don't talk about this enough and we probably should talk about it more, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, that whole thing with abandonment issues, like, I mean, yeah, did it make going into sex work a much easier decision for me? Yeah, because I knew, like, that I wouldn't have a dad not liking it or not supporting it. Because, yeah, I don't think many dads want to think about their daughter doing sex work. So the fact that I didn't have to worry about that made the decision so much easier. And would I be doing sex work if my father was still alive and we had an amazing relationship? Probably not. Probably not. I probably would have had a much different life and probably never would have not, I don't know, needed is a weird word, but at the time I did need to go into sex work because it made the most sense for my life. Um, so yeah, it it is prominent amongst a lot of nude models, sex workers of any kind, <clears throat> to not have parents or to have an absent father. It is common, but it doesn't need to be, like, joked about. Yeah. You know, it, it it's a big thing, and abandonment issues, dude, like, that will fuck up every relationship that you ever have. If you're always afraid that, some, that people are going to leave you, like, you're going to have a really hard time having healthy relationships as an adult. And I had to go to counseling about it because I was like, why do I, why do all my relationships, relationships keep failing? Why do I keep dating guys that are abusive? Like, why do I stick around when guys are abusive? Like I'm better than this. And I really had to go deep and address those. And I'm still working on it. I'm still working on my abandonment issues. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a big thing, man. Well, and, then you look at the flip side of that. I mean, you know me, and yes, I'm, you know, 15 years your senior. You've seen how messed up I am. I mean, I'm. Name one person you know that's actually on the outside as crazy as I am. And there's really no excuse for it. My parents were great. Yes, my mom was an alcoholic, and there was issues there. But I, I what I dealt with growing up was so much support and so much help and so much assistance. And yeah, it was tough. And there were times where I would look at my older sister and be like, why is it so much easier for her than it is for me or blah, 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 blah. But I'm, I'm real fucked up and I know it. Like I laugh at horror movies. I am not shocked by anything ever. I'm virtually unfazable. And it's, it's the same thing where people say it is your environment. If I hadn't had that, if I had an environment like yours, I, be in prison right hands down i know i would be in prison right now because i'd have killed a whole lot of people yeah and people don't think about that kind of thing like it is environment it is what comes up and how you're raised and what you do what you like what you what you focus on how you deal with it and and the things that you put out in the world are equally as important as the things you take in and that's why it is so hard well i just i look at you and you just said you with your relationships I have the two best relationships I've had, the, the most in love I've ever been. Both those women left me because they have abandonment issues. And I know it hands down. Now, at the time I was in the relationship, I didn't realize it. I didn't realize that I would, that they had one foot out the door the whole time. I can see it now. And there's not a goddamn thing I can do about it. I fucked that up. It goes both ways. That door is definitely a double swinger. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that's why, I don't know, for me it's important to, because I I do struggle, not struggle, I do, um, I don't know, I guess struggle is a fine word for it, with depression because of the way I grew up and how many people I lost. Yeah, I do struggle with it. And like you said, <clears throat> it's very important, like what you take in is very important. And yeah, there are a lot of things we have that we take in that are not necessarily our fault. Like sometimes, you know, in life we're dealt hands that just kind of suck. But there are things that we can control that we intake, like what we watch or what we listen to or whatever. And if, I mean, that's such a big, that's so important in um, rewiring some of that thinking. And that's what I'm working on right now. So I'm like, yeah, no, I can't control the fact that my parents, you know, were drug addicts and OD'd when I was young, but I can control like what I watch on TV. And if I'm watching like trash television that, doesn't help my brain think different ways then I'm just feeding that like depression monster you know well and, uh, and I think everybody falls into that trap they fall I mean and and everybody's susceptible to their own rabbit holes but yeah you know when you when you start <clears throat> there are certain things certain people can't watch I know that that because I'm friends with so many women any woman that I that's been in a in a a bad relationship, particularly a very physically abusive relationship. And they're like, we should watch a movie or we should do this. I have to like really kind of censor what I am okay with watching with them because I, I, I don't want to watch them get triggered over something when they're trying to be distracted. They're suddenly right back there. And I find it, I, I don't know. And there's certain music, you know, everybody has that, that one song they can always just play on repeat and it makes them either feel better or feel worse. And they just, sometimes you just force yourself to cry or sometimes you just, <laughs> someone's trying to FaceTime you again. No, my phone was telling me to plug it in cause it's dying. It, death, death to electronics. No, I just, I guess death. what? Oh, I was just yelling death. Sorry. That was, you just, to, you just want to yell death. There's nothing wrong with yelling death. Death. Yeah. It helps me accept it more. There, see, there you go. Facing and there's the watermelon. <laughs> Forgot you had watermelon. Um, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it even better. I don't know. I guess I just look at things and, and the fact that you you do express so much. And we've talked so many times about how you you for a little while there kind of made some soulless music, just some pop and, and things like that. I uh -huh. I've attributed some of that to being in Hollywood making the move from being a quote-unquote Colorado girl to being in Hollywood and putting down the acoustic and picking up the, the, the studio life a little more. I attribute that equally to you in dealing with your own inner demons. I mean, you went through a period where you were stone cold sober for a while. You went through a period where you were obviously touring and doing different things and living a completely different lifestyle, what mo most people would be a, a, a dream and you got to experience all of it from the, wow, this sucks. I'm going to kill everybody. I haven't showered in eight days to the, I can't believe I'm on this tour and this is so cool. And I'm seeing the world. Yeah. You see all aspects of it. And I think that the, who you are as a person set you up, your history and your experiences set you up kind of to be ready for that. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess I, I just think that, the, and that's why I wanted you to share your family history and the fact that because so many people stereotype shit, and 
I'm having a real issue right now with, especially with all the protests and all these things that are going on. Um, because you admit it, the world is fucking. Kanye's running for fucking president. I know. <laughs> the world is crazy. And, Dude, and we I... are the assholes of the of the of the the fucking world right now. The U.S. is just. <laughs> we are such reality TV crap right now. <laughs> for real, man, it is just. It's just sad <laughs> and hilarious at the same. Like I go through waves every day or either I'm like everything's fucking hilarious or damn I'm actually deeply sad about the state of right. the world right it's like almost emotionally terrifying and and uh I I've been dealing with especially with all because I've been following all the riots the protests and things which the media is not following right now they're acting like it's not happening and you live in LA you're seeing it you know there's still people marching <laughs> Oh, every day. Every day when I go get, I go to this juice bar in Silver Lake, and there's probably at least 15 to 20 protesters that block one lane of traffic um, every single day. And I'm not kidding. It's every fucking day. Yeah. And, and like, it's still going on. Like, I'm having a problem with kind of this, not only systemic racism that seems to have been just ingrained in, in our nation as a whole, but also the idea that people have these stereotypes that they attach to. And they can even be positive stereotypes, but it's still a stereotype. And until oh. we start getting past that, this shit's not over. No. No. Um, God, I have so many opinions about this. And the one that I'm on today is more of my conspiracy way of thinking. Um, I think that you know, we don't, we are not born racist. We are not born thinking stereotypes about people. Those are, those are learned um, over the years by media, by music, by people older than us that have also it through media and music, etc. So whoever is like pushing this onto the people, they know that they're doing a really good job at dividing us because if we're divided and we think about how separate everybody is, we are a weak force because we're divided. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, and of course, the, you know, the art of war says that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And unfortunately we're dealing in, I, I believe I am, I've been coming out more and more as like, I'm not, I'm not anti-government. I'm not, but I'm pretty anti-establishment in the way things are done. And I believe that if you have a government that's going to be out there and it has a, a, a role in life, then it should do that role on a moral compass that makes fucking sense, not some random, oh, this is capitalism. And there's people, there are fucking stores popping up that are, they're called the COVID-19 essential stores. You're capitalizing on people dying. Yeah. And that's not fundamentally yep. wrong? <laughs> Dude, it is fucked. And <clears throat> I don't know, like, obviously people are getting sick. There is a virus. Like, there is something making people sick. But, you know, and there's so many ideas about where the virus came from, but blah, blah, blah. But I can't help but think, like, when I was walking through Griffith Park today, I was looking at everything and... Now, more than before, way more people are staying inside because um, they reopened everything 
in LA and then kind of shut it back down. So everyone's a little shaken up. And now everyone's wearing a fucking mask where before people were a little bit like lenient. They were kind of walking close together. But like today when I was hiking, as soon as someone sees you, they put their mask on and they like dot, like they just book it to like the other side of the hill. It's like everyone is so afraid of each other right now. And I feel like, I feel like it's a, it's like, I don't know. I'm so conspiracy about it. Cause I'm like, they, everyone's so divided because of the race war and because of the riots and everything with that. And then on top of that, we're all afraid of each other because we all think we're going to get each other sick. Like we are not a strong unity of people right now. We're very divided and it's just what, is like the perfect plan to control people. If everyone's divided and everyone is afraid of each other and racist towards each other and scared that someone else is going to give them the fucking plague and kill them just by like being near them, it's just so divisive. It's so fucking... Yeah, I mean, there's, there is an element of, of fear, an element of, of violence. The, the idea of being self-protective, of, of taking care of self or taking care of your own, but fuck everybody else. It's, it, it's, I, I don't, I don't think people understand, like people talk about the riots and the things that went on in the sixties. They talk about how the, the, the civil rights movement and, and women's rights movements and things, how there was always things that fueled change. There was a lot of violence. There was a lot of really, really bad shit. A lot of people were assassinated for speaking their mind and yeah. I feel like the way that people are talking now is similar to what those people that I, who lived through that talked then. And we always talk about, you know, the world works in cycles and it rotates through and, and cycles. So this is a, a terrifying cycle to me, like in a weird way. Like I want these changes. I want to see this shit go right. But there is so much stupid on this fucking planet right now that I don't know how that works it really i feel like it really now more than ever it's crucial to think for yourself like really fucking crucial like it's kind of life or death i want to say like because there's so many things being pumped at us through instagram tiktok twitter the news music everything is just like blasting us with ideas and I feel like these days a lot of people um they don't really they don't really like know who they're voting for they don't really know what they're saying when it comes to like different politicians like I think we can all agree that Trump can be a a you know he talks like an idiot sometimes or whatever but like I don't know if people actually go through everything and research everything to like really figure out how they feel about different social um like subjects and different politicians and their ideas like it's like oh here's a funny meme that's bashing somebody let me repost it because it sounds funny and everyone else is doing it like and that's i don't know there are some people who are educated solely by memes and it's fucking showing right now it's really fucking showing. It's just people don't realize what they're doing. And it's so, like, I feel like now more than ever, too, like, people are even dividing on that plane because, um, 
you like someone that you've been friends with for years because you guys are just fucking pals all of a sudden you're not friends because they said a little something that you didn't agree with and instead of like actually having an educated debate about it it's like oh no fuck you you're racist goodbye like never talking again blocked and it's just not leaving room for communication or educated conversations um well and that's that's kind of a new thing too you just said it right there blocked people have stopped doing the whole i'm just gonna avoid that person i'm just gonna not talk to that person for now they're like being blocked on facebook being blocked on instagram this this wave of i'm going to just eliminate them is not something that anybody 20 years ago would have ever considered being offensive like ooh so you're not going to email me back or you know if what? if you didn't like somebody you just didn't hang out with them and now it's like no i got to block them i got to block them i got to be and it, it's it causes this whole online war almost it it does dude it's fucking weird like that's something i recently learned cuz i have this i have this really great friend here in la and um i usually confide in them when like i'm trying to make sense of shit and they i said something like oh man i'm just i need to like cut some people out of my life and they're like well what like why don't you just kind of distance yourself or create new boundaries i'm like wow that's a great concept like you don't have to just like block people and cut them off. Like you can communicate. That's why we have words. That's yeah. why we can speak to each other. <laughs> why else would we have these speaking tools? You know. I don't know. Just uh, I have like just become such a homebody, and I have like very, very, very close friends. Few and few, and. I'm just kind of, I have to just go with, like, my internal compass now. Like, if this doesn't feel good, I'm not really going to keep it around in my vicinity, you know? Because I can't, I don't know. I just can't deal with the media or opinions anymore. And that's a huge thing for me right now because I I just went through, like, you know this, but whoever's listening, like, I just went through, like, seven months of probably the most depressed I have ever been in my life like so fucking depressed. I went broke. I, my mental health went to shit. My physical health declined quickly. And now someone gave me great advice and it was like, only allow things in your life that inspire you. Like if something doesn't inspire you, then why is it in your life? You know? And it makes so much sense. We, we are not put on this earth to suffer. Yeah. We do experience suffering, but like we can do certain things to kind of eliminate a lot of that suffering. Well, and you and can also, it's not just eliminating the suffering. You can, by identifying issues, identifying triggers, you tend to develop better relationships with people, more wholesome relationships, friendships, relationships with family, everything. It's all of it. Uh, I had a conversation with a girl on Snapchat the other day. She posted, and it was kind of a funny thing. She's like, look for a love like crows have, where they will bring you tiny little trinkets to put in the nest when they want to show off. That's how they court and mate. And I'm like, that's amazing. And somebody underneath it had posted, well, that's the whole, like, 
when you cherish something now, you send them the really funny memes that only they'd get, or you send them the really ridiculous jokes that only they'd get. That's the new culture of that. And, and finding a way to appreciate. And I think that there's a lot to be said there of if you decide to eliminate the things that, that affect you negatively, the things that affect you positively actually try to seek you out more. Yes, dude, it is so freaking true. It's so true. It's like one of those life, if life's a video game, or if life is a video game, like that's one of the cheat codes, you know? Like, totally. You know, do, you know, up, down, up, down, right, left, X, Y, and suddenly you have a best friend to hang out with that's actually good and supportive there. Yeah, like I, ever since I kind of, I kind of just dropped out of the scene. I was really wrapped up in it for a second. You know, the Hollywood bullshit. Um, and I just... I've been, like, reclusing in my house, like, in a really, like, beautiful recluse kind of way, not, like, a scary recluse. Um, and talking to just the people that add value and bring inspiration to my life. And not trying to... I don't know. Ever since I started doing that everything has like it just like you said it like good things come in without you even trying it just when you're like vibrating on this level of like gratitude and good things coming in like good things keep coming in i do this thing it's one of my little like manifesting like witchy things that i like to do because parking sucks by my house because i live right off hollywood boulevard um parking sucks dick but i do this thing where i envision a parking spot right in front of my house and as long as i'm like you know, living in this good rabbit hole or something, I always get that fucking parking spot. But if I'm all wrapped up in bullshit, I never get a parking spot. And then you're walking blocks and hoping you remember where you parked and all that fun shit. Yeah, getting tickets, all this shit. So it's like when it's, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like when when people I call it roadblock thinking. People put up roadblocks. They put them in their own way. It's not other people doing it. It's not other circumstances doing it. It's them doing it to themselves. Yes, bad things happen to all people, good and bad. Bad shit just happens. That does, is yeah. the way things go. Good bad, shit also yeah. just happens if you get the shit out of the way that's stopping it. Totally. And I have to like say this while we're on this subject. I think there's a really big culture, and I've found myself kind of getting into it on accident sometimes. But like these memes that, um, almost like romanticized depression and feeling like a piece of shit about yourself. Like I hear so many people my age in particular go like, Oh, I'm so trash or like, Oh, I'm so like, I'm just a trash human. And it's like, you don't realize like you may be joking and it's funny because a lot of people say it, but like those words, like you're telling yourself that and there is a, you don't have to be trash. You can be like fucking rad and you can tell yourself you're fucking rad. Like, I have had several friends do that, and I usually get into arguments with them or say, don't do that, or think, like, Skylar's one of them. Skylar's always like, man, I am trash. But it, it's usually when he does something legitimately like, oh, man, I really fucked up. I really yeah. fucked that up. Oops, I'm sorry. I'm trash. He doesn't, he knows that we don't think he's trash. He knows he's not actually trash. He just tends to, yeah. to say that. But I do have this one friend, and, uh, I, I'm going to call her out because we've had this conversation a million times and I love her to death. She's a makeup artist 
Um, she goes by, by Gorhees or, or Brittany Gorhees. She does fantastic makeup work. I'm, we're talking like transformations into fucking different monsters to mythical beings to just glamour shit. She's amazing. And she only in the last year, I've been, I've been following her for several years, but only in about the last year has she stopped calling herself trash. And I can't yeah. count the number of times I sent her messages or shot her a snap or sent her something just asking her to please not say that, to not think of herself that way. Because I know so many people that do actually think of themselves that way. I have a friend right now that I hope to fuck she's listening. And I, I actually want to say her name, but I'm not going to, who she legitimately cannot see anything positive about herself in any way. She has, and she's, she's gorgeous. She's intelligent. She's talented. She's all these things. And I actually, in a conversation with this girl, I brought the conversation of her and the fact she looks to Brit. And Brit mm-hmm. was, because she posted about a week ago, she's like, I'm just going to keep posting kind of risque stuff of myself on Twitter until I don't hate my body. And I'm, I'm actually kind of proud of her for that. Mm-hmm. And she's finally making an effort to not be dysmorphic, to not second guess herself. And I think that that's something that, and I maybe maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe this has been going on a, lot, on a lot longer. But I don't know that many people that I remember from my time in high school, even the really thin goth girls, going, "I'm so trash. I'm so stupid." Yeah, you'd hear the whole like, "I want to die," or "I wish I was dead," or "I wish I was a vampire," or you'd hear that stuff in the, especially in the goth scene. But yeah. it wasn't like so derogatory in in kind of like self hate speech. Yeah, and I can't tell if that's like is that an educational thing? Is that a, a a generational thing, or is it something that's just become so common that it's okay to just not give a fuck about yourself? Dude, I don't know. There's so many. Like I notice in the way people talk, people will. I don't know if it happens like where you are, but here something I've been noticing in people's speech is like that. And then they'll go or this, like they'll go into something super passionately. And then at the end, they'll ram not. Yeah. They'll like ramble for a minute. And at, at the end of their like passionate ramble, they'll be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I just talked too long. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, why are you apologizing? Like negating like, their own opinion and their own thoughts. That's not okay. No. I mean, or they're like just fishing say, for compliments, too. There's those, there are those people like, I'm so ugly. Shut the fuck up. We don't need that shit. You know you're hot. We know you're hot. Deal with it. That's different. That's different. It's more when you see people that are just, like, badass fucking people without even trying that go into these passionate, like, ram, like these passionate rants or – and then apologize for being passionate and fucking cool and actually giving a damn about something – or I notice people will say something like, blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God, what's wrong with me? Like, I, I, this thing at the end of a sentence or saying, blah, 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 blah. Oh, just kidding. Like, no, you weren't just kidding. Like, communicate. Those and people who put be- LOL at the end of every text that might actually be an argument or something derogatory to soften the blow. Yeah, and I've been guilty of that, too. I don't know. I just, I'm really noticing it in other people and it's making me not want to like say what you mean and mean what you say and if you are 
making a joke, then make your fucking joke. Like, execute it. Execute that shit. Yeah, I, I guess I just, I look at a lot. And of course, yes, there are differences. Hollywood is, it's Hollyweird. We've talked about it a million times, that the things that are so different there than anywhere else. But particularly, I mean, like, and, and people who don't know, you, you know, you went to high school, you lived up, you, I mean, we met in Grand Junction, Colorado. Yeah. This is kind of the middle of nowhere. Yeah. In a weird way, that's a huge positive and a huge negative at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're like six years behind on all fashion and music, period. It's just how it is. Unless you're actually plugged into these scenes and understand shit, like, I think it's hilarious. People are like, will you play something contemporary? It's like, that came out today. No, I mean, like, and they named a song from, like, four years ago. And it's like, oh, you fucking fuck. But that's that's oh. their, you know, and there is a lot of backwater bullshit that goes on here, obviously. But there's also this potential for culture, because people are so thirsty for it, that if you... Yeah if you really, really get into it and you really, really want it, you see so much more in those people who have something to say. And here, people are a lot less afraid to say it. Totally. I really, I try to channel my Grand Junction energy as much as I can because people, I, I notice people are a lot, better at communicating there and because it's a small town too it's inevitable that you're going to run into somebody someone that you had conflict with so it's almost a necessity to know how to communicate and deal with problems here you can just go i don't want to deal with that problem i'm just going to avoid this person block this person and then you probably won't run into them you probably will never have to see them you can if i wanted to i could go down to like the social security office tomorrow and change my name and um cut everyone out of my life, change my number, and I could be a completely different person, and the chances of anyone running into me is very slim. Like, and it does, it does something to, like, the psyche, dude. It's fucking crazy. It's like you have to, yeah, uh, okay, you talk about big fish in a little pond, little fish in a big pond. You can get sucked up in that anonymity in a city like that. It can affect who you are and how you do shit. And to me, I think that's why in many ways, it is so weird there. It's just fucking strange. It is. I Very think, weird. I think a lot of people find that attractive. Like, they think they want that till they see it. Like, everybody's like, my hometown sucks. Everybody. I don't care who the fuck you are. Everybody thinks their hometown sucks. Till they go see it. And I challenge everybody. No one should stay in their hometown their whole fucking life. No one. Ever. You yeah, need no. to move away. You need to, to at least travel extensively for six to eight months. Experience other shit. Go to other places. And understand everywhere sucks. And everywhere Yeah. Fun. Everywhere can be just as great. Totally. Totally. Like, as much as there's some really shitty things about L.A., the stereotypes are definitely real. Like, I've met some of the most beautiful souls here as well and gotten a dose of culture that I wouldn't have got if I stayed in my hometown my whole life so I mean it's definitely I mean it's it's the culture here is it, it is very very different there is a lot that goes on here that is backwards I I challenge anybody to, to open their mind and the problem I hear a lot of people is they're self-defeating oh it sucks here so I don't care you yeah. obviously care 
So first off, shut up. Second off, do yeah. something about it. And my experience yeah. is, especially, and it's not just LA, but in all of California and most of Arizona and parts of Nevada, especially up in the Pacific Northwest, when somebody cares about something, they outwardly care about it. They do something about it. Like, they don't say, I love this, and never do it, never experience it. Yeah. And in smaller areas and in more rural rural areas, I think you see that way more. Oh, for sure. And I think that that's also a big part of it. But it still doesn't, to me, explain why so many people, as the internet has, has gotten bigger and as the as the world has gotten smaller and more easy, more readily accessible, why are people now more second-guessing themselves, more trashing themselves, more finding the negative more than the positive? Yes, obviously there's fake media, fake news, reality TV, a lot of trash bullshit that influences that. But really, the world is at everyone's fingertips now. Literally at everybody's fingertips. Why is it so much more prevalent that people will belittle themselves? Like I, I do. I call it self-hate speech. Yeah, I don't know what it is, man. But, yeah, again, that's why it's so important to, like, think for ourselves during this time more than ever. Because anywhere you look, you're going to see that. And so you kind of have to go within and be like, maybe I'm actually a pretty powerful human. We're all fucking powerful. And if more people realize their power, like, it would be a different world. Oh, absolutely. well, and of course you've, <laughs> we, we've never told this story and I'm going to, I'm going to tell this story this time because it's, it's, it's kind of funny and it's kind of weird and it's kind of fucked up, but it ended on a really positive down the road, not so positive, but positive initially thing. I remember what in something, in some ways launched your touring music career like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I remember having to beg you to play shows and beg you to come do stuff. And you just, no, I can't. No, I remember I offered to buy you a fucking guitar at one point. Yeah. Because you literally were trying to talk yourself out of playing a show. Yeah. The thing you love more than anything else. And I was like, that's fucking dumb. And I'm going to ruin every excuse you have. You're you're doing it. And I remember you met up with Sister Apart. You opened for them during an acoustic. And it was... It was just over four years ago, and I got reminded because Nick's birthday was the other day, and I met Nick on his birthday. Yeah. And so I was laughing about that, and then a couple days after that, um, actually four years ago, two days ago, we went to Denver, and you kind of got kidnapped by me. <laughs> Like, you went with, and then you didn't come back. <laughs> uh, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's like pretty much what happened. That's okay. In most cases, that's the start of a horror movie. Right. And in this case, that was kind of the start of your music career directly led to the move to Hollywood, obviously the, the, the success you found in music becoming a suicide girl Mm -hmm. and, and so many of the people that you've met and so many, like you've kind of lived the, American singer-songwriter dream in a weird way. And you've seen yeah. a lot because of it. Yeah, I got a pretty good taste of it, man. Like, 
right now I'm living such a low key life, which is necessary for my peace of mind at this moment. But look, and I'm finally in a place where I can look back on all that and be like, Oh my God, that happened. Like, Holy shit. Um, at some yeah. point it stops being surreal and you start realizing that like, I mean, I've come out in May. I, I, we, we hung out in Milwaukee together, yeah. a, a little over a year ago. You were on yeah, tour and we hung out in Milwaukee. And then two months later we met up in Denver. Yeah. I've only come and visited you twice <clears throat> in California, but we've seen each other. You've come here twice. I've come there twice. But we've seen each other 11 times since you moved. Yeah. All over the world. Yeah. All over. <laughs> That's the kind of shit that when people hear that, they're like, wait, what? Yeah. You got to tour. You got to experience things. You saw the, the great stuff that comes with, with being in the music industry. And you saw a lot of the bullshit, too. Yeah, a lot of bullshit. It was fun. But I will say, like, it wasn't, it's not everything it's cracked out to be. No, everybody has, has an image of what it's supposed to be. And I've, I've used the reference with you because you've come full circle musically now. Um, and I don't know if you've even seen the movie Rockstar with Mark Oh, Wahlberg. yeah. Oh, I love that movie. Okay, do you realize you've <laughs> basically lived that movie now? Totally, dude. It's... It's wild. And oh my God, like now I'm kind of, I live really close to Silver Lake, which is my favorite part of Los Angeles. It's very New York-y, Grand Junction-y kind of. It's just a lot of underground, the underground thrives in Silver Lake. Everyone that's not in Silver Lake calls everyone that lives in Silver Lake hipsters, but it's just, I mean, yeah, they, I mean, for lack of better words, hipsters, but just way more people focus on the art and less of the look at me thing. And I'm like super into underground music now, hanging out with artists. Like every time we go out to a friend's house, it's like a jam night. And I honestly get so much more fulfillment out of that where no one knows who the fuck I am, but art is being made versus, oh my God, yeah, we're on this fucking massive tour and these fucking huge arenas and like, you know, our songs on the radio and uh, that's, that life got so draining and so unfulfilling to me. I was like, we're just chasing the dragon, man. And it, it's never, there's never actually a real moment of fulfillment except that little bit of time you're on stage. That's it. Well, and I Everything was else. too, and I used to laugh because the way I toured obviously was very different. Being, when I toured early on, it was that. It was rush, rush, get shit done. Hope you get paid. Hope you eat. Hope you find sleep. Hope you have a place to stay tonight that's not the back of the fucking van on top of the gear. Lived that very much. But that last set of touring with Drummer was was the best because it was like we would go play a show in his Honda. We would go, you know, we would go do this and that. And it was always like the next day, it was let's go find this museum. Let's go find this zoo. Let's go. Because it was, we, we wanted to experience where we were. Yeah, and that's like the whole reason I wanted, well, not the whole reason, but a huge reason I wanted to get into music was because I wanted to go see the world and play music. But the reality of the way I was touring was we didn't see anything except the inside of the RV and the inside of the venue and occasionally a, a, a truck stop in like a cool city that I've always wanted. 
it wasn't like actually exploration it was just grind 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 perform and yeah performing for other people was really fucking cool that was the payoff getting to talk to people all over the country but uh, I don't know just too much work and a lot of people that drop out of that circuit I hear <clears throat> people that are still in the circuit will be like oh they quit because it was too hard and it's like no I think I proved the fact like I think I proved that I can be a road dog but I just don't find fulfillment in it. I don't fucking care who knows my name. I just want to enjoy making art because I like to make art. <laughs> well, and my favorite part about being, and, and you've gotten, I kidnap you every time we see each other and we go, do, and we always go to some place or go have food or do something. That's to me, like, that's why I'm enjoying now. Like when I get to travel as a photographer or a videographer, it's a lot more fun because I get to take people with and show them all the shit that I've seen or all the shit that I was like, man, I made a mental note that I wanted to go see this when I was here before, but I had no time. And I think that that, it counts for a lot. It really does count for a lot to be able to say, I've traveled and experienced rather than I've traveled and peed a bunch of places because that's all we had time to do. Yeah, there was literally an app that a lot of the uh, band members would use and the crew members where it's like places I've pooped. Yeah. Really the highlight of this tour is tracking locations that we've pooped all around the country. Yeah. And people think that it's like this dream existence and it's, and it is to an extent, I mean, don't, I don't, I don't regret a single moment of any of my music career, only the people that I've lost through it. Yeah. But there are definitely some real, real lows. There are some times where it doesn't matter what you're going through or what other people are going through. The disconnection, the idea of the fights, the arguments that people didn't get to see where I was fighting with somebody, you know, in the band 10 minutes before we take stage. And nobody, nobody in the real world knows that. That, that no. the lead singer literally just, just got in a screaming match in the back. Or, you know, I got fired from a band right after being on MTV and left in fucking LA. I got left there. And people forget that yeah. shit. They, that's not the shit that goes out normal. Like, it happens. That's real life. Dude, yeah, there were so many times um, that it was time for me to perform and I literally had to like wipe my tears off because I had just gotten into a huge fight with someone backstage and someone said something like extremely biting because it's seven to eight 10 egos in a fucking tiny ass space traveling all over the place not being able to shower not being able to take a shit when you need to take a shit like and so like you, you know screaming match in the back wipe ears off put on a happy face and go sing your heart out like people don't know that and you can't talk about it like you can't be like sorry guys i'm having a bad night i just got in a fight with like a musician that you fucking adore because they were being a dick and you don't know this side of them like all that shit it's, it's just it's humans it's just humans everybody is yeah. human well and as much as I do not like cancel cancel culture I do not it, it, it's it's so dangerous it's so so dangerous to fall into that somebody said this it must be true and there's a huge yeah. there's a lot of that goes hand in hand with, with this whole idea but that in many ways brings up a lot of, I, I know some really really bad stuff about people that I used to look up to. And I yeah. don't ever go public. I don't ever go like 
go out and be like, well, this person did this or that person did that. I just no longer associate with those people. And people have asked me over time, like, well, why don't you deal with that? Why don't you deal with this? Why don't you talk to that person anymore? And a lot of that comes hand in hand with the idea of, and, and I mean, you've seen it firsthand. You've, you've witnessed me dealing with somebody you were really close to, and I had to just kind of wash my hands of it, and it sucked. It, it, it's, and it's affected my relationship not just with that person, but their band, with their entire group. But you'll never see anything public about it because it's not major. Obviously, there are those cases of people who are, you know, sexual allegations, shit like that. That shit should be made public. But there's a lot of stuff that people don't realize. Some of your idols, some of your your magic, some of the people who inspire you to do the best are some of the worst fucking people. And you would never know that until you've lived that life and, and traveled the hard road side by side with them. And a lot of people, it's not that they're not strong enough to stick out that out. They go, you know what? This ain't for me. I'm not going to lie to everybody I know about this person being great. They're a shithead. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's something you've dealt with. Yeah, I think it takes a strong person to give up something that everyone glorifies. Like, I think it takes a strong person to do that because you're going to get so much slack, so many questions. And you'd be like, well, you know, I know I was living a dream that most people would fucking kill for, and I just gave it up, but, like, my peace of mind now is a lot better. I'm a lot... I may not seem that grounded, because I do live in the city of neurosis, but <laughs> I'm way more than I've been in a long time, as far as that all goes. Well, then, let's talk future, then. Like, I know... Yeah. We've talked a little bit about it. Um, I I have recently started putting stuff together where I, I really am going to send you music and you're going to fucking sing and you don't have a choice because, okay. damn it, that's going <laughs> to happen. But musically, um, you've had a little bit more come out and uh, it's been more experimental for you. Are you going to do more of that or are you finally going back to your roots? Like, what are you doing? Um, I do enjoy uh, like featuring on other artists' tracks, and I, it usually ends up being EDM and house music, which is probably what you're talking about with the experimental stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's fun to me because I can appreciate EDM culture, like the culture that surrounds it. I fucking love it. I don't really listen to EDM regularly. Um, I love branching out and combining genres i love that because it's i don't know music's a universal language and when you can be like well you know like i'm covered in tattoos and i like to play folk music but i'm gonna feature on this um track that a porn star made for me like a house or an edm track like i think that's really cool it's bringing cultures together like i love that but for me now like i have my violin sitting in front of me i have my my acoustic guitar and i'm I'm in contact with a lot of producers right now that are doing more like my, the stuff that my roots, like, um, like Conor Burst, Bright Eyes kind of stuff, like a little bluegrassy type of stuff. And that's, that's what comes naturally to me when I sit down to write. And that's what I, that's what sets my soul on fire, you know? So I'm definitely going back to that. Um, playing like smaller venues and silver lake when stuff opens up like that's something that i really want to do 
Um, I've been working with my best girlfriend, Anna, for a while now, and our voice is just... She's actually calling me right now. That's so funny. That's amazing. Uh, the timing. Right? Um, yeah, she's like my musical soulmate, and we just sing together. Like, We don't even have to go, like, you're going to sing the lead. I'm going to sing this part. We just automatically do it, like have telepathy. And so we've been working on some stuff as well. Um, I've been working with my friends out in the valley that have a music studio in their house. Um, so, yeah, just a lot of going back to the roots and actually just working with really talented artists that don't care about the fame. They just care about the art. And it's really fucking nice. Really nice. So I told you, you're Mark, you're Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, all night. You feel my heat. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad that, that things are, like, you seem to have handled being in. Wait, what? I don't know. I guess I just look at, you, you, you've handled this whole thing this year in a really, because you've been going through so, so much personally. I find it really interesting yeah. how you handled the rest of the world kind of falling apart in that you've done it in such a kind of healthy, positive way, like hiking all the time and you know, doing the different things you're doing. And, and it's, I don't know, for me, obviously we're going on record here with the, the being recorded on podcast, but like, I'm, I'm genuinely proud of who you've become and watching you. Thank grow. you. So, um, and I asked you this, of course, like what's, what's one song that you just can't stop listening to? Oh man. Um, 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 um. Oh, there's a song called Cocaine Jesus by uh, Rainbow Kitten Surprise. <laughs> and it sounds hilarious, but fucking cool song. Highly recommend everyone listens to it. Okay. And I'm going to call you out. Have you watched any of the movies on that giant list I sent you because you demanded that I do so? Not one? Nope. God, you're fucking nope. The last movie that I watched was Death Proof, Quentin Tarantino. I mean, quality, uh, at least. Great movie, yeah. Yeah, but cool. now I have. Cool. Well, thank you for your time. I know that this was one of those, like, we... <laughs> I love that nobody knows what goes into doing one of these, because it's literally like, okay, tomorrow at 2. No, 2.30. No, wait, I can't be tomorrow. It's going to have to be, and yeah. <laughs> or we record an entire episode and there's no sound. Shit like that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that you're doing well. Um, don't sign off there yet. I'm going to turn all this shit off. Um, but first, do me a favor and shout out where you want people to like find you and follow you on social media. Um, Instagram is the best place. It's at official Dahlia. You can find me there. And I'm going to do one of those fancy little like, I'm going to put it on the screen so people can see it. Like... So it'll be up for a second. So, all right. Well, thank you for your time and have a good day. Thank you, Eric. Say my name, fuck it up. Tell me you think I'm pretty. Hold me down, tear it up. No, I don't want your pity. Everything that you say.